I was eight years old, I wanted to join the swim team. I went to the first day of practice, I jumped in, and I sank to the bottom of the pool. The coach didn't want me, but my mom spoke up for me, and she said, well, what if I help her? So every morning, she came to the pool with me, and she helped me get from the wall to the first ladder, and then from the wall to the second ladder, and then sooner or later, I was swimming all the way across the pool. By the end of the year, I was swimming in the meets, and she was cheering for me from the stands. And at the end of the season, the coach gave me a trophy for being most improved. The trophy had my name on it, but I knew it was because of my mom. Haven't we all been inspired by the power of nurturing mothers? Hi, I'm Laura Booz. Welcome to the Women of the Bible podcast. In this season, my friend Erin Davis is leading us in a study of Deborah, a woman who inspired an entire nation simply by being a mother. In Judges chapter 5, Deborah says, I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. She could have described herself as a judge, a prophetess, a leader, but instead she described herself as a mother. As you get to know Deborah more in your study this week, I hope you're inspired by the world-changing power of tenderness and valor. So let's grab our Bibles, open to the book of Judges, and join Aaron as we get to know Deborah, a woman of valor. All right, let's list our favorite Bible characters rapid fire. I'm going to go first, Jesus. Ha! Boaz. <laughs> Boaz, good. Deborah. Deborah. Mary. Joshua. Did we say David? Joshua. Joshua. Rahab. Oh, yeah. Eve. I love Eve. Yes. Martha. Caleb. Moses. John. I don't know if he's a Bible character. Well, he is, but he wrote Revelation, so he's Peter. on my list. Paul. Mary. Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> Who else? We, we hit a lot of the big ones, mm-hmm. I think. Okay, well, we're going to be talking about a Bible hero in this episode. We mentioned her, uh, but first we want to talk about why we love those heroes of the Bible so much. Before we go all the way down that rabbit trail, you need to introduce yourselves. In this second episode of the Women of the Bible podcast, we have two Lauras. So Laura, to my left, Laura B., what would you say is your favorite, other than Jesus, your favorite Bible character? My favorite Bible character is usually Boaz. Why? I do. I love him. I think that he's noble. Sure. Um, I love how he teaches us so much about the heart of God mm. to redeem us and to go after us and love us and receive us. I, I just he is love likable. the guy. Oh, you know what? Okay, so my last name is Booz, and there is oh. some historical string that says originally it was Boaz. You think you're related? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that I'm related, but I feel like, oh, that is just There's such a, a connection beautiful connection. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, other Laura, Laura G. We're going to have to call you Laura G. Tell us your name and your favorite Bible character, if you had to pick one. My name is Laura Gonzalez, and I work with Arriba Nuestros Corazones, the Spanish outreach of Revive Our Hearts. And I think my favorite one is Joseph. I love the way that the Lord worked through his life and the way that he could have become a, a victim but yet he was a victor at the end and how he forgave his brothers and all that the Lord did through his life. And mm. um, just seeing the Lord's providence in his life and how it all turned out for good. I, I love that. Yeah. Well, I'm the non-Laura in the group. I'm Aaron. And if I had to pick a favorite favorite, i pick Paul. I mean, Paul was amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. He was a writer, first of all, which I love. He was a man of action, a man of truth, a man of fortitude. Mm-hmm. He'd have to be my top guy. Well, why is it that we love 
the stories of people in the Bible so much. You know, I think I could go to endless Bible studies on the men of the Bible, the women of the Bible, the families of the Bible, the heroes of the Bible. I just never get tired of hearing Mm -hmm. those stories of those people. Why do you think it is that they connect with us so deeply? I think we can relate to their struggles and their weaknesses. Mm. And we see ourselves in some of them, and we see ourselves in some of their struggles and their histories, and it connects us. And we can see the Lord and how he worked in their lives. and We can see God Mm. interwoven. And so Mm -hmm. our hearts long for that, and we read their stories and learn more about our Savior through it. We learn more about our lives, what it looks like to walk this pilgrim road. So Yeah, and I think we can see ourselves in most of them. I have almost Mm -hmm. nothing in common with Paul. Mm -hmm. Almost nothing. Geographically, he was a man. I'm a woman. We have different careers. We have different family situations. But when I read about Paul, I think, ooh, Mm -hmm. I I think I'm a little bit like that. Mm -hmm. Or I think he's a little bit like me. And so it can speak into our lives. I love to see that they were not perfect. Me too. But then they, you can see the greatness of God in their lives. Right. So Not a one of them, to totally right. Right. other than mm-hmm. Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them rascals, down to the last one. Yes. Well, this is episode two of the Deborah season of Women of the Bible podcast, and there might be somebody listening who didn't listen to episode one. So let's catch her up very quickly. What book of the Bible are we in? There's no book of Deborah. So where does she turn to if she wants to catch up with us? <laughs> the book of Judges. She wants to be in the book of Judges, which is in the Old Testament, just to make it super easy. And in the last episode, we talked about this. 4D cycle. Now that phrase, the 4D cycle, that doesn't come from scripture, but it's certainly something we see over and over and over in scripture. The first step of the cycle, God's people did, what was it? Disobedience. Disobedience over and over and over. The second step, Laura, God did, what's the second step? Discipline. And under the Lord's discipline, God's people eventually in the case of Judges 4 and 5, where we are, it took them 20 years, mm-hmm. but eventually come to the place of desperation, which gets us to the fourth step in the 4D cycle, which is what, Laura? Deliverance. All right, good. One more D to add today, Deborah. She's not, yeah, she's <laughs> not the That's fifth right. step in the cycle, but we're going to focus on her because she's one of the judges that God used for that step of deliverance in delivering his people. We're going to love Deborah. We're going to want to be just like her. We're going to think we can be Deborah's. So a little bit of a heart check. Why do we read the Bible before we jump in? Why do we read the Bible? Is it just to find a bunch of people that we want to emulate, Laura? Mm, No, it is to conclude that Jesus is the hero. Mm. And Deborah would want us to conclude that. I think you're totally (laughs) right. And in fact, Mm -hmm. as I was thinking about people have heard me say that a million times. I've told myself that a million times. And I still tend to look at them as profiles of somebody that I need to be. Mm-hmm. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking, that's kind of a worldly approach to scripture. That's, you know, that's what celebrities are in our culture. We look at them as somebody we want to be, somebody we want to emulate. That's the power of advertising. Mm-hmm. You know, just get a celebrity to hold up your can of spam and you'll sell, <laughs> you'll buy it. You'll sell a lot more copies. Mm-hmm. So if we open our Bibles, not to have profiles, celebrities we emulate, you're right. It's to see God mm-hmm. as the hero. And I hope you don't listen to this season of the Women of the Bible podcast and hear us say, we're all supposed to be Deborah's. Mm-hmm. We're all supposed to do what Deborah did and say what Deborah said and think like Deborah thought and live like Deborah lived. She lived in the desert, so I'm already not down with it. But <laughs> that we are looking for ways to see God in her story. So how do you, you, I know that you both know that, have such confidence in your love of scripture and your approach to scripture, but it takes training. Laura G., how do you practically, how do you train yourself when you open your Bible 
to look for Jesus, to look for the gospel. Here we are Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. How do you teach yourself to look at it rightly? Mm -hmm. Well, the good thing is that we are on this side of the Old Testament. So we know the end of the story. So it is easy when you're reading the Old Testament to know that there is someone that this is pointing to. And so you're always trying to look for that person that is going to come eventually and that all this is preparing for him. Yeah, it is. As you said that, I just realized in Old Testament times, they too were seeing things through the lens of looking for the Messiah Mm -hmm. just on the other side. Yes. So they were seeing the the red Mm -hmm. cord through it, Mm -hmm. and we just see the other side of it. That's right. Mm -hmm. Aren't we fortunate? Yes, being on this side. side. They were always looking ahead, and we are Mm -hmm. looking at it like, oh, there he is. Mm -hmm. There he is. There he is. That has Mm -hmm. been the thing that has most kept my passion for Scripture alive is that treasure hunt. Oh, there's Jesus, mm-hmm. and there's Jesus, and there's the gospel, and there's mm-hmm. the gospel. It makes me want to read the Bible more and more. Mm-hmm. Well, let's meet our girl. Here we go. Here, let's talk about Deborah. Laura B., could you read us Judges chapter 4, verses 4 through 6? Now Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel at that time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah, between Ramah and Bethel, in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go, gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun. Yeah, so just a couple of verses here, but I feel like we learn a lot about Deborah. Mm. If this is like her, you know, introduction to you at a party or your first glance into the life of Deborah, what are your first impressions of her as you read that? I think she's wise. I mean, she was speaking for God and people were coming to see her and talk to her and ask her things and for judgment. Honestly, when I picture Deborah sitting under the palm tree, I just think it's an atmosphere of peace and um, faithfulness. Mm -hmm. She's at peace with God and she was reliable. Yeah, just that picture of her sitting, you know, under this palm and serving the Lord, serving the people of God. Yeah, that palm Mm -hmm. strikes me, too. It tells us that she would sit at the palm and the Mm -hmm. the tree was named after her. Mm -hmm. So she left a mark on the geography of her land. She was reliable. She Mm -hmm. must have been a good judge because the people keep coming. Mm -hmm. And you girls know I have four sons, and I feel like this is what I do all day, every day. I I don't sit under the palm, but I'm constantly judging disputes of some sort. And part of that really resonates with me about her. We don't know who wrote the book of Judges. Most scholars think it was likely the prophet Samuel. But the writer's description of Deborah here is from the outside looking in, and he describes her in two ways. What are they? Prophetess and wife. Okay, maybe there's three. And judge. Prophetess, (laughs) wife, and judge. He describes her in three ways. Prophetess, wife, and judge. Mm -hmm. If we've been reading our Bibles very long at all, we've heard that term prophet. Uh, we, We have an idea of what a judge is. We know what a wife is. But I want us to let Scripture give us the definitions for those roles. So we really know what the text is saying when it tells us that Deborah was a prophet. So, Laura Gonzalez, will you read us Deuteronomy 18, 18 through 19? This is how the Bible defines the role of prophet. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And whoever will not listen to my words that he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. Okay, so if that's the job description for a prophet, what does a prophet do? 
speak for God. That's right. So that was what Deborah was doing as a prophetess. Okay, when you think of judge, Laura, what do you think of? What's your image of a judge? Uh, I guess I picture them behind the bench Me too. in a courtroom yeah. scene. Yeah, and black gavel. row, gavel, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That's kind of our modern version of a judge. Mm-hmm. Let's see how the Bible defines the role of judge. It's in Deuteronomy 16, 18 through 19. Okay. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your towns that the Lord your God has given you, according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with righteous judgment. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality, and you shall not accept a bribe. For a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and subverts the cause of the righteous. Mm, that You know, Lady Justice, she's got mm-hmm. that band around her eyes. That comes from, right. straight from Scripture. So if you were to give judge a job description, a succinct job description, what did God say judges were supposed to do? To uphold justice. Mm. And how do they know what is just? According to his word. According mm-hmm. to God's law. Mm-hmm. So these are not just arbitrary terms. God is infused in both of these roles. So what are Deborah's God-given responsibilities to the people of God, according to these two titles? She has a couple of jobs. She's supposed Mm -hmm. to speak for God. And she's supposed to judge amongst the people without partiality Mm -hmm. and according to God's law. That's right. So I could decide right now, I could decide, I am Aaron. Mm -hmm. prophetess and judge of Missouri, and I could sit (laughs) under my oak tree. But that's not what happened here. Deborah did not decide that she was going to be a prophetess to the nation of Israel, that she was going to be a judge to the nation of Israel. How do I know that? Well, we got to go back a little bit to Judges chapter 2. Let me read to us Judges chapter 2. I'm going to read us verses 16 and 18. And if you're a write-in-the-Bible kind of girl, which I hope you are, I certainly am, a good thing to do here is to circle or underline Lord every time it appears, because it happens pretty often. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 18. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and opposed them. This is an important point. Deborah was not self-appointed. Mm-hmm. Who decided Deborah was going to be a prophetess and judge? The, the Lord. Lord. <laughs> the Lord. It tells us that over and over. I want to know, has there ever been a time, the Lord has not appointed me prophetess and judge, but has there ever been a time when the Lord asked you to fulfill a specific role for a specific season in the way we seem doing for Deborah here? Well, what comes to mind, first of all, is being a wife to my husband, being a mother to my children. Those are long-term appointments. But recently, I helped to restart a women's ministry at our church, and I really could feel that energy of the Holy Spirit. I think Paul writes about that. Like, we work with the energy of the Holy Spirit. I could feel his um, anointing and grace and help in doing that work. And Mm -hmm. it was a span of three years. And then when my work there was done, I really, I don't know, I don't want to base it all on how I felt, but I felt Mm -hmm. (laughs) him say like, okay, that's good. And it's time to move on to the next thing. I mean, Esther, she was Mm -hmm. appointed for such a time as this. Mm That's that idea of it being for a season. Yeah, I love that example. I had something similar Mm -hmm. in my own church. I knew Mm -hmm. in my own church that I was to be the architect of our women's ministry. And I knew the whole time I was just the architect. That was it. Mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't the the maintainer. Um, and that is exactly how it unfolded. It was me. It was for a season. And then the season was over. Okay, Laura, you lead Aviva Nuestra Corazones, which means what in English? 
Revive Our Hearts. And you and I both work for Revive Our Hearts. And Revive Our Hearts is a ministry to women. We call women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ. But we did it in English for a long time. And then you and a group of women attended a Revive Our Hearts conference. Tell us how you go from attending a conference for a ministry to women. In English. In English. (laughs) It's a a daily audio teaching in English Mm -hmm. to leading the Spanish arm of that ministry. Well, it's a long story, but to make it short, we know about Revive Our Hearts, where we lived in the Dominican Republic. We heard about this conference in 2008. We went to the conference. We attended the conference. You brought a large group of women, if I remember yes, right. Yes, 100 women came. 100 women from Latin America. From, from Dominican Republic. Of All from Dominican Republic. Yes. Okay. From two churches. Okay. And so we came and we just felt this is something we want to take back home. And we thought our church, we were faithful. Sure. And available. Yeah. And so the Lord just told us, translate this for the church. And we did. And then, oh, there's a little uh, radio ministry in this church. Let's do it for Dominican Republic. And we did that. And so little by little, we ended up having an outreach in Spanish. And I was chosen to lead it. But it was not something that I appointed myself for. Sure. It was the Lord's appointment. I- I'm going to write down those two words, faithful and available. And it started out so seemingly mm-hmm. small, but it's not mm-hmm. small anymore. Give us an idea of the scope of the ministry. Well, now it's all over Latin America. We have millions and millions of downloads of the radio podcast every, every single day. We have had conferences in Latin America where 6,000 women come. So it's we cannot believe it, and we can see it was the Lord from beginning to end. Yeah, I think, and I think if we were telling your story, and we are, but if we said, mm-hmm. Laura Gonzalez, director of Viva Nuestras Corazonas, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. Deborah, I didn't pick myself as the director of Viva Nuestras right. Corazonas. The Lord appointed you. I think we just respond yeah. to the Lord, and we're just available. That's it. He does the rest. He does. Well, there's so much we don't know about Deborah. I want to ask her questions. I want to know, what did you think? And how did you feel? And how did that go? And how did you know the Lord appointed you as a judge and a prophetess? Is there anything in the text, Laura, that gives you clues about how you think Deborah responded when she sensed the Lord was appointing her for these big jobs? Yes, I think that she knew what it was like for the Lord to command her and for her to awake and obey. Mm. Because uh, when she talks to Barak, she says, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you so on and so forth. You can't speak that into somebody else's life unless you've walked that road yourself. Yeah, And you true. know the wrestling and you know the listening and you know the discerning and time with the Lord. So yeah, I think I think she knew it and I think she was obeying. I think so too. Mm-hmm. I always like to try and picture as much as I can the story. You know, what, what were the smells? What were the sights? What was it like? What were the other people like? So as we picture under the palm tree as a judge in Israel... What kinds of things do you think people brought to her, seeking her wisdom, Mm -hmm. seeking her judgment for? What kinds of disputes? Well, for one thing, they had been oppressed for 20 years. So I can imagine all the things that were going on in those lives, Mm. Um, conflicts, um, just oppression of all types. And she had to give some wisdom and encouragement. Don't you know the stress of that was coming out in their relationships with each other? Yes. That's a long time to be under oppression 
And when we are feeling that level of stress, it, it comes out in our disputes with our neighbor, with our spouse, with our children. She probably heard a lot of interpersonal disputes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Well, you've got a great imagination, Laura B. What do you imagine she heard from that palm tree? Hmm, I imagine she heard a lot of complaining. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I almost picture that transition between verse 5 and verse 6 where it, you know, Scripture talks about her sitting under there judging the people of Israel coming to her. You know, mm-hmm. she's not seeking them out. Like, tell right. me your problems. Right, right. <laughs> They're coming to her, needing resolution, needing some kind of guidance. And then I almost hear the desperation in her. Mm-hmm. She sent and summoned Barak being like, come on, mm-hmm. yeah. let's get this we, thing let's going. Let's do something about this. <laughs> yeah, we all bear the image of Christ. And that is one way that I see Jesus in mm-hmm. Deborah long before him. I mean, Jesus had people coming to mm-hmm. him day in, day out, seeking resolution for their disputes, seeking to be justified, seeking all manner mm-hmm. of things. Mm-hmm. And that was literally Deborah's day in and day out too. So a lot like her Savior in that way. I'm also thinking that it was the days where everybody was doing whatever they thought was right in right? their own eyes. Oh, wow. So now she has to say, what does the Lord say yes. about this and mm. bring out the justice? And Thank you for saying mm-hmm. that. Not That's, an easy job. Mm-hmm. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so the writer of Judges defines her as a wife, a prophetess, and a judge. How did Deborah define herself? I think it's really telling. Let's look at Judges chapter 5, verse 7. She's describing herself here. Now, we're fast-forwarding a little bit in the story, so if you don't like spoilers, sorry, you're going to get a little bit of one. But d- this is important to know how Deborah sees herself. Laura B., can you read us Deborah's description of herself from Judges 5, verse 7? The villagers ceased in Israel. They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Mm, So how does Deborah define herself? As a mother. And I read that and I think, that's such a female thing to do. We define ourselves by our relationships. And that's how Deborah does it here. We don't know if she has physical children. Scripture doesn't tell us. I'm going to make the assumption that she does, but could be a bad assumption. Mm. But other than having children, what defines mothers? Nurturers, life givers. I think about like Deuteronomy 6, where God instructs parents for his word to be on their hearts and then for them to be nurturing their children with the word of God all the time, mm-hmm. day and night, no matter what, you know, what they're doing, where they're going. All moms are teachers. Mm-hmm. All moms are disciplers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Moms are compassionate. Mm-hmm. We move towards our children with compassion. Mm-hmm. I see in Deborah, as we're going to jump into this story, mama bear instincts Mm -hmm. for the people of God. Mm -hmm. I'm curious. I've got some mama bear stories where I've jumped into action to protect my cubs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Can you think of a mama bear story where those instincts as a mother to protect kicked in in force? Mm. I can think of one. When my daughter was like seven, she went to the neighbor's pool to swim and I went with her and I thought she was drowning. Mm. And I literally... I just jumped into the pool with clothes on yeah. and saved her. That's mama And she bear. was fine. She said she was fine. <laughs> but Mom. I thought she was drowning. <laughs> That's mama bear. That's yes. what mama bears do. Yes. We jump in the mm-hmm. fray. And as I read this story and Deborah describes herself as a mother, I see mama bear. I see her jumping in, mm-hmm. clothes on to rescue. What did, what did she need to rescue? Well, let me read us Judges 5, 6 through 7, and we'll get a little bit of a picture of what the culture is like. We just read 7, but I'm going to widen the lens a little bit. In the days of Shamgar, son of Anath, in the days of Jael, the highways were abandoned, and travelers kept to the byways. The villagers ceased in Israel. 
They ceased to be until I arose. I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel. Some of that feels like strange cultural language, but do you give us get any sense for what the culture was like in Deborah's day? They were fearful. They were isolated. Mm-hmm. They weren't going about their normal rhythms because, right. of course, they were under oppressive rule. And Deborah steps in to protect. She steps in to nurture. Mm-hmm. She steps in to guide as a mother in Israel. And I want to be a mother in Missouri. I want to be a mother in America who is attentive, compassionate, jumps in to help God's people as we need it. Mm-hmm. I want to know, who do you know who is a mother in her sphere right now? She doesn't have to be a physical mother. Mm-hmm. But you think, man, she is a mother in her church, or she is a mother in her community, or she is a mother in her country. As you think of Deborah's description of herself, does anybody come to mind? My oldest daughter Mm. does. She's um, just going to be 16 in May, but I have six children. And the way she loves and nurtures all of her younger siblings inspires me. Mm. Because, you know, um, at the end of each day when she's saying goodnight to them, she'll bring out something from their day where she saw the Lord at work or she saw something in their character that she wants to cheer on to the little ones. She always says, like, and remember, you're God's little treasure. Mm. Uh, so I see already in her a mother's heart, and it's a great blessing. Now I'm all joked up. Thinking about your girl. <laughs> Laura, does anybody come to mind, especially as you think about what God's doing in Latin America? Is there anybody you think... And this woman is a mother in her nation. I remember there was one lady, older lady in the congregation who used to be in the Dominican Republic. And she was the sweetest lady that would come behind you and hug you and Mm. pray for you. And she just knew if you were going through something, she could just tell. And she would bring a word in due season. Mm. Or she would have people in her home. If she saw that you were struggling, she would invite you over and just sit with you and pray with you and encourage you. So every time I think about a motherly figure, I think about her. I have one of those. Her name's Kathy. And it's fascinating because her physical children are our prodigal right now, walking away from the Lord. But man, she is a mother in our church. Mm-hmm. It has happened to me many times that I'll be in the grocery store and I will encounter Kathy and Kathy will say, Aaron, mm-hmm. I have a word from the Lord for you. <laughs> and it's always straight scripture. Mm-hmm. She's just praying for me. Mm-hmm. She's just edifying me. She's just speaking the truth to me. But she does, it's not just a Kathy Aaron thing. Mm-hmm. Like she's mm-hmm. doing that over and over and over in grocery stores and at the bank and wherever she encounters us, she really is Mm -hmm. a mother to the people of Green Tree. And, you know, when we read Deborah's description, I, Deborah, arose as a mother in Israel, she's not saying I was just a mom. What she's saying is I'm just a judge. I'm just Mm -hmm. a prophet. Mm -hmm. I'm just a wife, but I'm a, a mother in Israel. And there's probably women listening who don't have children. They might want children and they can't have them or they're not in that season yet. And they're just going, oh, great. Now this is the motherhood episode of the Women of the Bible podcast. But what can the woman listening who has no children, who may never have any children, learn about Deborah, about what motherhood means beyond bearing children? you have any thoughts, Laura? I love what Laura said about life givers. Mm. We can always be life givers. And like your daughter, mm-hmm. you know, if you're encouraging others, if you're praying for others, if you're just serving others, nurturing others, discipling others, you're doing that role. You don't have to be a mother, a physical mother. Right. I love that. Maybe we'll get into this a little bit further along in the lessons, but I was taking notes from Deborah about how to be a mother Mm. to my children and to others. And I noticed that she appeals to Barak 
to obey God's word. She mm. doesn't manipulate him mm-hmm. or guilt him into it. And it's not that he needs to please her. Sure. And I think that's such a good quality of a mother. Yeah. <laughs> um, any woman who is nurturing others to always be pointing them to please God and not themselves, yeah. you know, pointing them to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we will get into it, but I don't know that we can talk about it too often because, you know, a mother who's primary role is to convince her children to please her. It's an oppressive kind of motherhood. And, and you can take that in any sphere of womanhood, a boss, a, an employee, a mm-hmm. friend who mm-hmm. is demanding that yeah. you please me. Mm-hmm. That's not life giving. Right. Mm-hmm. It's life draining. Mm-hmm. And so you're right. We can learn a lot about Deborah from that. All right. I want to head back to Judges chapter four. Good news. We were just in Judges chapter five. So it's just a page <laughs> turn. And Laura B., would you read us Judges chapter four, verse seven? And I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Okay, here's an interesting question, and this is why context is important. If we just extracted that verse, we might have a different answer. But is the I, I's in there twice, is the I in this verse referring to Deborah? Is Deborah talking? Nope. No, who it's is God. It? It's, it's God. It's God. Mm-hmm. How do you know that, Laura? Because she's saying, has not the Lord of Israel commanded you? She says what he was saying, go gather your men. You know, the instructions the Lord was giving right. him. She's passing on the Lord's words to your point, Laura. Mm-hmm. And we know that because we know what a prophetess is. Right. You already told us a prophet's job is to speak God's words. Yes. So there's a softness here in Deborah's words. Those don't sound like really soft words initially. They sound like... Go, mm-hmm. take care of business, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But there's a softness that we might miss on first glance because Deborah is, to your point again, she's not telling Barack what to do. Mm-hmm. She's not giving him an ultimatum. Yeah, She's relaying God's words and then she's leaving it to him to respond. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about my own pattern with other people, with men in particular, and wondering what I can glean from the way that Deborah communicated here. So what did Deborah not do? That, that maybe you tend to do. I, I'll go first. She did not repeat herself. Man, can I be verbose. I cannot watch it on my son's faces. <laughs> That's the 37th time she said that exact same thing. Uh, and so I could just repeat, 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 repeat. So she didn't do that. What are some other things that, that maybe you see in your own patterns that you don't see in her pattern? She did not end her sentence with an exclamation mark Mm. or a period, Mm. but with a question mark. Mm -hmm. She just presented it respectfully. Yeah. Didn't God command you to do this? Yeah. Yeah. She didn't give him an order Mm. or she didn't say, how come you haven't done this? You know, like (laughs) you're a coward or something like that. Right. No name calling. Right. Here's another thing I tend to do. She didn't manipulate. Oh, yeah. Uh, There's a way she could have worded this. Mm That would have been much more manipulative. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is off the top of my head, although I could probably come up with something <laughs> if I had the time. But mm-hmm. she's not trying to manipulate him into doing it. She's not promising him something if he does or if he doesn't. And man, I can be a master manipulator. Mm-hmm. Anything else she doesn't do that jumps out at you? I think she did not see him with contempt. Like mm-hmm. he was not obeying the Lord or he was delaying obedience. Yeah. She just encouraged him. Hasn't the Lord told you? Or confirm the the Lord's instructions to him. She doesn't treat him as weak or worthless. And if you watch the cultural messages about men in our culture, just watch 10 commercials. Oh, yeah. Mm. 
don't you feel like we position them as mm-hmm. weak and worthless mm-hmm. a lot of the time? Mm-hmm. A silly and... To be disregarded. Mm-hmm. And there's none of that here. Mm-hmm. There's a softness here. Mm-hmm. Laura G., would you read us First Peter 3, 7? I think it's going to give us a, a frame of reference for this softness that we're seeing in Deborah. It says, Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. How do you feel about that word weaker vessel, that phrase weaker vessel? Yeah. I know that I am weaker. It's obvious physically. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's not a problem to know that men are stronger physically. But I know for some women, it is a, a problem to be called weaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm not swapping out words. The Bible's not a thesaurus. I can't just swap in whatever alternate word I mm-hmm. want to put in here. But I do think there's a connection here between this verse, which is telling us that we're weaker, and the softness that we see in Deborah. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you about my brother. I am the proud big sister of Jacob. And you need to know a little bit about what Jacob's like to hear this story. He is a big guy. He rocks a big beard. He loves to hunt. He loves to fish. He loves to be outdoors. And when he had his first baby girl, Ava, when his wife had their first baby girl, Ava, he calls me and he's telling me about her. And he said, she's so sweet and she's so little and she's so soft. <laughs> that were my, Those were the words of my camouflaged bearded brother. <laughs> she's so soft. And that's, I think, Mm -hmm. the heartbeat Mm -hmm. of how Scripture describes women. I have a lot more studying to do on the topic of women as the weaker vessel. It's certainly an area that I have studied a lot through the years, and it's been important to me over the years. I've wrestled with it. I, I still need to learn more. But I think it goes beyond, like, our comparison of our physical structure, Because that can be all across the board. You know, many women are stronger than many men, um, so on and so forth. So I guess what I'm picturing in that area is if I'm thinking of vessels, maybe I picture like a glass bowl um, as opposed to an iron bowl. Mm, And the Lord himself makes them that way for purposes all his own. And they are beautiful and lovely each. And I, I think what Peter is writing about is that the man is to regard the woman as being made differently mm. and for a different purpose. And in that purpose, there is a fragility in the yeah. best sense of the word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like fine china. Like mm-hmm. fine china yeah. that must be respected and honored and held held well with strong hands. Yeah. So, I love that. And we're actually, we're going to see that in Deborah and Barack. Mm-hmm. One is made of iron. Mm-hmm. And one yeah. is made of fine china. Yes. And both are used for the purposes mm-hmm. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. There's one word I want us to end this episode on. Let it be our punctuation mark here. And that is valor. Mm. And let me give us the dictionary definition. Valor is strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness or personal bravery. Strength is not in opposition mm-hmm. to softness. Strength is not synonymous with toughness. So Deborah is this woman of valor who is able to face us. We're going to see grave danger and do it in a uniquely Mm -hmm. feminine way. So I thought to end this episode, we might think of our sisters and names are going to come to mind quickly. I don't want to hear their names, but sisters who are facing something right now that requires valor. 
And we're going to find valor as God-given bravery in the face of danger. Hmm. And just as a tribute to those sisters, I'm choking up thinking about them. Let's just name, let's just name their battles they're in as a way of saying, God, let God give you valor. Do it in a uniquely feminine way. I'm thinking of a friend who just this week, her husband is facing a life-saving surgery that he had two years ago, and she's going back into a valley that is so dark. Mm -hmm. And she keeps saying, it's so hard because I know how dark the valley is. Mm -hmm. And so she needs to be a woman of God-given valor. Let's Mm -hmm. name some other women of valor. Again, not their names, but what are some of the battles they're running into? I have a friend who is facing a long-time addiction to pornography, Mm -hmm. and she is walking with the Lord, and He is surrounding her with all she needs to take one victorious Mm -hmm. step after another, Mm -hmm. but it takes so much courage Mm -hmm. to walk out of an addiction like that. Mm -hmm. I have many mentorees that are moms, Mm -hmm. young moms, with a lot in their hands, many little ones. And it's tough, it's draining, and they need valor, and they need courage to run that race Mm -hmm. and believe the promises and just keep going, putting Mm -hmm. one foot in in front of the other. I am thinking about a friend who has struggled with a debilitating illness for many, many years. Now she's in old age, and she rarely ever gets out of bed. And so simply to put her legs over the side of the bed and hold on to her walker takes courage and valor to keep going for every day the Lord gives her. I think most of us know a woman who is married to a man who doesn't know the Lord, doesn't have the Holy Spirit, Mm -hmm. and therefore cannot love that woman with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control, and she needs valor. Mm -hmm. I am picturing women all around the world rising up as Deborah's, women of valor, Mm-hmm. in a dangerous world and I just end this episode mm-hmm. by saying make it so Lord what does it mean to lead as a mother that's one of the important questions that's come up in our study of Deborah Aaron Davis Laura Gonzalez Stacy Rudolph and I have been studying Deborah together using a new study called Deborah becoming a woman of valor I hope you'll get a copy by visiting reviveourhearts.com slash women of the Bible While you're there, you can also see this conversation on video. Again, you'll find the videos at reviveourhearts.com slash womenofthebible. And if you want to learn more about the life of Deborah, you can also check out the in-depth teaching series from Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth on the Revive Our Hearts podcast. Just visit reviveourhearts.com and search for the series, When Men Don't Lead, A Look at the Life of Deborah. On our next episode, Aaron will encourage you that God will be with you when you are called to something difficult. The psalmist is like, chariots, bring them. Armies, send them. (laughs) Vicious generals, come on. Because the God of angel armies is on our side. I just think that's so strengthening and encouraging for whatever battles we're in. I'm Laura Booz, hoping you'll join us next time on the Women of the Bible podcast. Women of the Bible is a production of Revive Our Hearts, calling women to freedom, fullness, and fruitfulness in Christ. And let me add, if you appreciate hearing Aaron on Women of the Bible, I hope you'll listen to the Grounded podcast. It's a weekly dose of hope and perspective. You can catch it live every Monday at 9 Eastern on YouTube Live or Facebook Live, or subscribe to the Grounded podcast on your favorite podcast app.